guys that are here and so thankful. Thank you. Yeah. Glad to, glad to be back. You know, uh, I, uh, I've got a lot that I want to share today and I'm really excited to, to share this message. And, you know, it's been kind of four weeks in the making, so I had to kind of make sure to keep it in the, in the allotted time slot. You know, I don't want to give you four sermons in one week. But uh, before I, I get into that, I, I do want to share one quick thing. Uh, you know, we've we got a special guy. I want to invite Lucian Pickering to come up. Uh, Lucian is a member of our church and has been connected here for a long time. And, uh, and he, he's going to share a little bit uh, just about what's been going on in his life recently. But uh, we're really excited. One of the big, big areas of the church is, uh, is pastoral care. So when someone is sick or in the hospital or in the nursing home or something like that, it, they need someone that's going to pray with them. And a lot of times I do a lot of that. The staff, we kind of cover that. And Lucian has a real passion for that. And God has been nudging him in that direction for a long time. And, uh, and so he's, he and I have talked a lot about that over the last year or so. And I want to invite Lucian to come up and just kind of share a little bit about what's going on in his life. Oh, you got a microphone already. Good morning, Fairdale. As Brandon said, my name is Lucian Pickering, and I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, I've actually been involved in ministry for over 50 years. I actually started preaching before I was 16. <laughs> but uh, in any case, I have had the privilege of being associated with Fairdale for over 40 years, uh, along with my wife, April, who grew up here in Fairdale and has been actively involved in ministry as well. But... Uh, Two things happened <clears throat> in this past month that very significant uh, points in my life. Uh, first off, even though I've been involved in ministry for over 50 years in some way, shape, or form, I have never been ordained. And so uh, last month, Brandon, Phil, and elders and family and friends uh, from the years that have been supportive of me came and had prayer with me and set me apart into the to the ministry. If you want to get an idea of what some of that is kind of like, uh, pop open the book of Acts this afternoon and you can see how the, uh, the apostles set aside different leaders for different tasks and such. But the uh, other thing that was very exciting for me, and I'm very grateful for the leadership of Brandon and the elders to allow me to do this, is the uh, idea of uh, visitation or if you want to be brave and look out on the worldwide waste of time, there's a picture of me on the uh, Fairdale webpage indicating pastoral care. And again, what that is about is families are in need at all different stages of life, different times of life. Most of the time we think of it as hospital visitation or maybe in the nursing home or funeral or whatever. But there are many, many situations where prayer or just uh, a hand, a shoulder, a hug, uh, these are, we're the feet, we're the arms, the hands of God here on earth. Now, this is not a one-man road show here. Uh, my wife, April, and Sarah Albro, our uh, church secretary, are the really behind-the-scenes heroes that keeps me going and uh, letting me know but of what is in need, who needs in the hospital and where they're at. But you guys are also a part of that. And I'm sure you're wondering, okay, how is that happening? Uh, let me try to explain it like this. My favorite group 
music group. It's called Mannheim Steamroller. Anybody ever hear of them? Okay. Uh, Chip Davis, the founder of it, would open up his concerts with this. Hi, my name is Chip Davis. We're Mannheim Steamroller. You all are the audience, and we're all in this together. Well, hi, I'm Lucian, a.k.a. Luke. We're Fairdale Christian. You're all my brothers and sisters, and we're all in this together. We need you not only to let us know when there are needs, people who are in need, but also, if possible, you be willing to be the hands and feet that God asks us to be in serving him in this kingdom. Thank you, Lucian. Man, it's just so great to have somebody to kind of help carry the load of that. And so, you know, as we have needs, uh, I hope that you'll get to know Lucian. But uh, he just has such a passion for that and so thankful for what God's doing in his life. You know, I, I'm grateful for uh, those that filled in for me while I was gone the last four weeks. Man, we had uh, just quite a lineup. You know, Brandon Minot, our new youth minister, man, he's a great guy and just gave a great message. And John Glowacki, our worship pastor, did did awesome, and uh, George Ross, he's one of my, my absolute favorite pastors in the whole world that preached a couple of weeks ago, if you were here, and uh, got to experience that. And then last week, Ben Woods, man, everybody, that's all I hear about is Ben Woods, Ben Woods, Ben Woods, man, this is Ben Woods. Yeah, I love Ben Woods. The only thing I can't stand about, it, he's just too good. He's just, he stands up here. I had a, the, one of the last times he spoke for me, about a year ago or so, he was here and shared a message. Of course, everybody's, woo, we just love Ben Woods. And uh, there was a lady that was visiting here for the very first time. And I, I was here this day. I just wasn't preaching, but I was here at church. And I, I went up and, and I got to meet this lady. And she says, oh, my goodness, I love this church. This is the greatest church I've ever been in. I love your preacher. I can't wait to come back next week and hear him. I said, you may want to lower your expectations a little bit. <laughs> But man, I just love those. So grateful to have great friends that could fill in and, and do that. But you know, it's, it's an important thing to, to get away, all of us occasionally, to hear from the Lord and to spend time just, uh, just being in his presence and in the stillness and, and being confronted with deeper issues, allowing God to just to, to take us into deeper waters. And you've got to do that, even if it's for a day or a weekend or whatever it is. That's why God's word says that we really have to learn how to be still. And know that he is God. And prayer is such an important part of this. I know Ben did a great job last week kind of kicking this series off. And you've got cards as you, when you set down these cards. And they're pretty simple. Just have lines on the back. But what I'd like for you to do is, is take this card. I'd like for you to be thinking as we go through the next you know, little bit of our service. And thinking about maybe things that you want to talk to God about. And maybe it's a person or it's a situation or whatever it is. It's between you and the Lord, and, and if you'd consider writing that down, and as you leave here, there are, there are little displays in the lobby, uh, those little metal grids that you can clip these onto, and our staff, we prayed over these last week, and we've got a prayer ministry, a prayer team, they prayed over those this past week, and so we're praying alongside you, but I'd like for you to just be thinking about that as, as we talk, and, and uh, because God will answer, he will listen, he hears our prayer. He hears us and he, he answers. And, and, and those of you that are watching online, if you want to be part of this, you can, uh, we've got a host there that's going to drop a link in and you uh, can fill out a form online. We want to be praying alongside you as well. But what does it look like for us to be faithfully 
and obediently walking with God. Not out, of, not out of judgment or guilt. And this is a lot of us that were raised in the church. If you're anything like me, I was, you know, I've always said I was like born in the church nursery. It was sort of pounded in my head that you have to follow God, you have to be obedient to God. And there was a lot of guilt that was used as a motivator. And that's not what I'm talking about. What does it look like to walk with God in freedom? Not, not because we feel like I have to, I have to. But being devoted to him because, because he's so good. Romans 12, verse 12 is a really challenging verse of scripture. Uh, and it really speaks to something deep in me. It seems so simple. But it calls us to this really deep place. It says that we, we should be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. It's just three simple little phrases there. Uh, joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. But I find it to be so challenging and difficult to live those out when life is happening all around me. It's just, at times it seems impossible to do those three things. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I have had a, a lifelong struggle when it comes to being faithful in prayer. I hear scriptures that say we ought to pray without ceasing. I'm like, what, is that, what does that even mean? I don't know if I can do that. And then I hear stories about these great prayer warriors and, and you know, just hours and hours before God. And I think, man, I've just got so far to go and to grow. And, and if, if you have ever wondered, you know, I, I'll be honest, there's been so many times in my life that I've, I've prayed and prayed and prayed for a person or for a situation or something. And, and God has not answered my prayer the way that I really wanted him to. And there's been so many times I felt like my prayers are just kind of hitting that back wall and dropping to the floor. And so if you've ever felt anything like that, you're in really good company because I've felt all that myself. And I, I've been in some very dark places, and, and I know it's not just me and you that have felt that. But you do a quick survey of the, of the Scripture, you're going to find lots of people throughout history that have struggled with this. Gideon in the Old Testament said, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened? Job said, though I cry violence, I get no response. Though I call for help, I get no justice. Psalm 44 says, awake, O Lord, why do you sleep? Rise up. Don't turn away from us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our troubles and our suffering? The prophet Isaiah said, truly, you are a God who has been hiding himself. Prophet Jeremiah said, why are you like a man taken by surprise, like a warrior, powerless to save? And then one of the most troubling, I think, scriptures in, in the whole Bible that, I, man, it's, I mean, make sense of this one, is Jesus on the cross, the Son of God, when he prayed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These things that just don't make sense. It doesn't fit together. And this is the question that I want to wrestle to the ground today. How can we pray faithfully when we hurt consistently? How can I continue to pray? How can I continue to have the desire and the urge to come before a God that allows such pain and such trouble into my life? And especially when I pray and it doesn't seem like he's answering the way that I, I want him to answer, then what's the motivation there? Why do I continue to come back and pray faithfully when there's so much pain? Why do bad things happen? That is the age-old question that just never seems to go away. 
Why? Why? Make sense of this. Help me unpack this. Help me to understand this. It just keeps invading our lives. Why? Why? Why did this happen? Why didn't God do something? Why does it have to be like that? I've spent a great deal of time studying some of Jesus' words this past week, especially when he, when he talks about how to pray. You know, Jesus taught us, there's a scripture, he, he actually says, this is how you should pray. He's giving us instructions for it. It's, it's, we call it the Lord's Prayer. Many of you know it. But the first half of it, the first few verses in Matthew 6, Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I hear some of you mouthing the words today. You know it. We've, we've all heard that one. You know, some of you, we know it by heart. And that's a hard prayer. Your kingdom come. Literally, it's saying, Jesus, return. We want you to come back. You haven't come back yet. We're waiting. We're ready. We want the kingdom of God to be here. And your will be done on earth as it is, as it is in heaven, meaning whatever you want, that's what we want. However you want life to go, whatever direction you, you want it to take, God, that's the direction that we want. Your will, not ours. That means that I'm probably not going to get things the way that I want very often. When I pray like that and I say, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that means that I'm putting you first. And, and this is one of the problems I believe that we find in our, our culture today. This is, this is really where the rubber meets the road. I was, I was having lunch, I was having lunch this past week with Ben Woods and uh, Mark Jones, his pastor at Nelson Christian Church in Bardstown. He was here at the beginning of the year. Uh, and I was having lunch with those two guys and we're just talking and swapping stories and you know, encouraging each other and the different things. And we're kind of talking about some of the issues in our culture. Why is it that it seems that people are just, there's just a, there's a definite trend away from interest in, in the church, interest in God. You know, it seems as though people just don't care anymore. It's just kind of, you know, it's a head scratcher. It's like, how can people just not care about, you know, whether God is there and what does he want for our lives and what does it mean to follow him? How can people just put that out of their minds and not care about that? It's, you know, it kind of makes you makes you puzzled a little bit. And, and I can't remember who said it, but one of the guys said, you know, I just believe that our culture is not into cheap stuff anymore. We're just done with cheap stuff. And I thought, man, that's really true. We're, we're tired of cheap stuff. And, and I believe part of the problem that we have is we, we've got a lot of people who have a, a bad picture in their mind of what they think that the church is like or what they think that maybe God is like. And so it's like, I, I don't know. And, and they are tired of cheap answers to expensive questions. When I want to know why, why would God allow this or what's going on here or where is God at in these things, and they're tired of the trite little expressions, like, well, you know, you, you just, we, we don't ask questions. Let's just not ask any hard questions. Let's just cover our eyes and cover our ears and la, 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 la. God's good, God's good. We, we don't ask anything. We're just going to believe that everything's good, everything's good, everything's good. And, and I thought, man, that, that, that's it. You know, when we say, you know, you just, you can't question God. You just got to go with it. I don't think that's working. I don't think people are, are buying it, you know. And, and even when we say, you know, God's got a plan, you just don't see it. Well, that may be true. But how's that supposed to help me when my kid gets sick? 
or when I've lost my job or my spouse has just walked out the door and I can't pay my rent. I need something a little bit more than an embroidered pillow that says God's good all the time. All the time, God is good. You know, the world is tired of naive optimism. You know, oh, I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist, glass half full. Everything's going to get better, you know. It's, it's when we cover our eyes and we cover our ears and, it's, and we say, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Here's a few things that, that naive optimism says. It's not a complete list, but maybe you get the idea, you kind of track with me. It says things like this. Well, God needed them more than we did. Or heaven gained another angel. Naive optimism says, God will never give you more than you can handle, so just hang in there. I know it hurts, but he'll, oh, you must be pretty tough. It says, everything happens for a reason. It's all part of God's plan. Or you know what? If one person comes to Christ because of this funeral service, then it's all worth it. I had a friend in high school, a girl, she was actually my first little crush. I, we were just friends, but... Uh, in high school, I remember, I was, just thought she was the greatest thing in the world, you know. And summer break one year, she was walking down the sidewalk, had a brain aneurysm. We didn't know, of course. It's just, I mean, she fell down, was dead before she hit the, the pavement. And I remember going to the funeral service and hearing somebody say, you know what? We can't make sense of this, and who knows what God's plans are, but if one person comes to Jesus because of all of this, then it's all worth it. I don't know about you, but all these statements, they just sound empty to me. They just don't do it for me. They, they just don't. And, and, and you know what else? I don't see any of this stuff in Scripture. Not a word of it. I, 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 nowhere in the Bible does it teach us to just ignore the hard stuff. And just pretend like everything's okay. And then to go out and tell the world, well, you know, it's just, it's just, you just need to trust it's okay. It's kind of emotionally unhealthy, I think. The writer of the book of Ecclesiastes spends 12 chapters. Read the book of Ecclesiastes if you want a little light reading. <laughs> if you're depressed already, maybe avoid it. Go read something else. But it spends 12 chapters talking about how utterly meaningless life seems to be. And how painful it is. And at the end of the book, he sums it all up by saying, well, regarding anything beyond this, dear friend, go easy. There's no end to the publishing of books and constant study wears you out so you're no good for anything else. The last and final word is this. Fear God. Do what he tells you. And that's it. Eventually, God will bring everything that we do out into the open and judge it according to its hidden intent, whether it's good or evil. That doesn't sound to me like something you want to stitch onto a pillow. But that's real. And this is what I've learned. How can we faithfully pray when we hurt consistently? It's impossible to be faithful in prayer and patient in affliction if we are not joyful in hope. There's a reason why that's first. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I want to unpack that just a little bit. The Christian faith, and some of you really need to hear this, the Christian faith, what we believe and know, it is not naive optimism. It's not trite expressions. 
It, it, that's not what it is. it is. It is a stubborn hope. It is something that just will not give up. And, and this is the difference. Optimism promises that everything will gradually improve. That's what it is. I mean, oh, the glass is half full. I, I'm trusting that everything's going to get better eventually. So we say things like, oh, well, one day you'll understand. Or, oh, it'll get easier as time goes by. Or someday this will all make sense. That's not, that's not our faith. Christian hope, this is the difference. Christian hope promises that everything will be transformed. It's not going to gradually improve. It's not a gradual improvement. God never promises, oh, well, you know, just hang in there because one day this will all make sense. He says one day everything will be changed forever. One day you will be changed. The apostle John was given a glimpse of heaven and he wrote this in Revelation 21. One of my favorite scriptures. I read this at funerals all the time. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth change. I saw a new, the, the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was gone. And then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look. God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. It's not a gradual improvement. It's not optimism. It's changed forever. That's the difference. That's the hope that we cling to. It's not hang in there, guys. Hang in, just hang. It's something's coming. Something's going to be different. This is our call to hope. In this world, you will have trouble. There will be curveballs. There will be unexpected things that weren't on our radar. But God will have the final say. Trouble will end forever. Pain will cease Joy comes in the morning. We have a blessed hope. Keep praying. Be patient when it hurts. That's what he's saying. Be patient in affliction. Be patient when you hurt beyond words that could express it. Be patient. Keep praying faithfully. Have hope and joy. Be joyful in the hope that you have because until, and until the time that everything's transformed, until that time, there are some issues, there are some situations that God evidently prefers not to intervene in. Why is that? Why, why are there fires and floods and tragedies and children with cancer? I don't know. No one, no one knows. Why doesn't God intervene in every single one of those situations? I have no idea. We will have to live with that tension. We've just got to live with it. But here's the thing that we cannot miss. In a world that is messy and broken and really beats us up sometimes, life is, is unpredictable and it's challenging and it's frail. 
Let me, let me bring you up a little bit. You know, it's not all doom and gloom here. There are so many things in life that are so good and wonderful we should look forward to. And, you know, new seasons and new challenges and new opportunities. There's a lot of good. A lot of good that we should enjoy and savor it. And I know for many of us, there are great days to look forward to. I heard Bob Russell say one time that I've discovered that the greatest period of your life is when the kids are grown and the bills are paid and the dog's dead. Some of you say amen to that. That's the truth. So I know there's something to look forward to in this life. There's things to enjoy. But in the waiting... In the tension, in the middle of the question of why, there are two things that we know for sure. Every morning, every day, when you wake up, when you, your eyes open and you realize, okay, I, I'm here. There's two things that you know for sure. Is Number one, Jesus has not returned yet. That's why we continue to pray, your kingdom come. Lord, you have not returned yet, but we're ready. And if I'm not ready, make me ready. I, I want to be ready. But we know that every day Jesus has not come back yet. And the second thing that we know is we're still on mission. Because God's got a purpose and a plan for you. That's why we pray and Jesus taught us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning, use us. Equip us. Send us. We, we are called by God to be agents of of, of change and, and taking his message out. He has called us to, to intervene, to be the hands and feet of Christ in the middle of the mess. We know that in, in the middle of the, all the pain in life, fires and floods, pandemics and poverty, death and despair, trial, trouble, all that stuff, we know that God is sending us out. We keep looking at him saying, why, why, where are you, where are you, where are you? And God is saying, I'm sending you. In John 16, Jesus said these words. He says, I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. He says, for you will be expelled from the synagogues and the time is coming when those who kill you will think that they're doing a holy service for God. Now, this is because they've never known the Father or me. He said, yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a little while longer. But now, Jesus said, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, then the advocate, the Holy, the Holy Spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the, the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Jesus said, it's better if I go away. It's better for you, he said, if I leave. And then, he, and then Jesus went to face a long night of suffering. Where he, when he prayed and he's looking at the cross and knowing what's coming, he hadn't been arrested yet, but I mean, he's sitting in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is praying, Lord, let this cup pass from me. I, I don't want to go through this. Change this. I don't, I don't want to have to go through what I know I'm getting ready to go through. But then he said, but not my will, 
but yours be done. How can we be faithful in prayer and patient in affliction? It's only when we're joyful in hope. It's when we stubbornly and honestly know and believe above everything else there's reason to hope because something's coming because there's something more and we know it down deep in our bones we know that there's something more the greatest part of our faith where this this hope comes from in the story of Jesus you read the you read the, the story of Christ it includes both death and resurrection. He died and now he lives and he reigns forevermore. And I, I think in that we get a pretty good clue about what God wants to do in the whole world. Why did this happen? But look at what's coming. Philip Yancey writes, I love this quote. He says, until then, until that day, no answer to suffering will satisfy even if we had the capacity to comprehend the answer. Like Job we can only attend to the small picture, clinging to belief against all contrary evidence while trusting God with the big picture. Faith, I've concluded, means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. That really speaks to me. There are many great reasons for us to continue to pray faithfully. Last week, Ben mentioned that Prayer is all about the pursuit of knowing God more fully. That's good. And he said that prayer is about communing with God and connecting with God and conversing with God. Those are all true. Those are, those are really good. But I would add one more. That through prayer, God doesn't reveal the grand design. He reveals himself. As we communicate through prayer, he, he, he is not going to give us the big picture. He gives us himself. Uh, you, you know, I think about the story of Job. Everything in the Old Testament that Job endured, that he went through, he goes through all these difficult things and he keeps praying and crying out to God. Basically, the essence of his prayer is, why, God? Help, help this make sense. Show me the point. What, what's this all about? I don't understand why you're allowing this to happen. I was reading a commentary this past week that says that God doesn't explain, he explodes. He comes back and says, listen, Job, you couldn't understand this even if I tried to explain it to you. You're not going to get it. You are not going to get the plan. You get me. And I will be enough. So you've got to trust me. And you've got to know that I've got you. I think about those of us that are going through some really challenging seasons right now in life. From bad news at the doctor to, well, I've got a seven-year itch. And I, maybe I feel like I need somebody else. Or, or maybe, I, oh, I'm, I'm going through this midlife crisis thing. Is this, and I'm wondering, is this really what life is all about? Is this it? Is this, is this all that life is? You know, I'm beginning to think that there are these seasons that are just reminders that our world is a lot bigger than we thought it was. And that we have little to no control over the things that we thought we did. We have little to no control over what our kids are going to do. We have little to no control over our health. You know, I could be diagnosed with a, a tumor or cancer tomorrow. I, I, have no, I have no control over that whatsoever. You know, I, and, and I, I'm 
beginning to believe, you know, we, we, always, we always think that everything's going to trend up and to the right. And those seasons are a reminder that they don't always. The only thing I can control is my actions and my spiritual health. It's up to me. It's up to you. It's not my job. It's not your mama's job. It's not your grandma's job to make sure that you're healthy, that you are in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. That's not my job. I cannot do that for you. Your grandmother cannot do that for you. She may pray for you every day. That's awesome that you've got a grandma that prays for you every day. But she cannot make you right with Jesus Christ. There's only one person in this room that can make you right with Jesus Christ, and that's you. He's taken the step. He's thrown out the lifeline, but you've got to grab it. And this is, this is the problem. This is, this is what really, I think, just it, it makes our minds explode a little bit. Because all of us want to know purpose. I want to know the purpose. I got to know the why. God, why are you doing this? Why did you allow that? Why didn't you do something here? And God says, you're never going to understand. You're not going to get this. But I give you myself. Why do we continue to pray faithfully? Because he has invited us into a real relationship with him. He said, I'm giving you the opportunity to know me in a personal way. And I'm going to walk with you. Wherever the road goes, I will be there. And I am enough. You can cling to me. You know, there's, there's never going to be enough answers that would ever satisfy our why. As that quote said, we trust in advance what only makes sense in reverse. Jesus said these beautiful words in Matthew 11. He said, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion, the guilt? Come to me. Get away with me. And then you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's not pressure. That's not guilt. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What would it look like for us to walk in obedience with God, not out of guilt, not out of fear of judgment, but to walk obediently with God because we know that there is where we find freedom. Why would we pray faithfully when God doesn't seem to answer the way I want him to? Why would I, why would I be patient in trouble when I hurt? How, why, why wouldn't I just lose my patience? How could I do those things? How can I continue to pray, continue to trust? It's only when you can be joyful in hope, knowing that everything will be transformed. The pain that we feel now will not exist forever. And one day, He has promised us something that is so much better that this is not worth comparing it to.
Jesus says, walk with me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have invited us into a relationship with you that is real and it is meaningful. It is not cheap. It costs the life of your son. Lord, may we never take that for granted. Help us to understand our life from your perspective. Give us patience. Give us what we need, Lord, to to focus and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Lord, I know there are a lot of things in this life that happen to us and around us that we will not understand. Help us to trust you even still. Lord, I lay this congregation at your feet. I ask that you would bless us, that you would help us to be faithful call us to greater obedience where we will follow you and stay in step with you because there's so much joy there. I ask all this in the mighty name of your son, Jesus.